0: welcome to RealtyPitch.com. This is the podcast featuring uh, sales techniques that will make you an elite seller, an elite real estate agent. I'm your host, Akos Jankura. I'm the host a little bit about myself. I am a real estate professional. I am an agent out of uh, Punta Gorda, Florida, and I have a background in television, and I've been on TV over 10,000 live television hours. My career took me to QVC and HSN and countless television commercials and etc. And then what I decided when I was getting into real estate uh, for the first time, I wanted to stress to you um, what it takes to become an elite real estate agent. Let me tell you, I'm going to take you back to my dad. My dad and my mom. i never forget when I was uh, getting out of university and, and getting into the working world, um, uh, I was uh, actually selling pianos and stuff like that, pianos and organs and keyboards and music and I was in the music business, and I'll never forget that my um, my uh, Transylvanian mother and my Hungarian father—they would ask me, um, and they would be in a, maybe a Christmas party or something. And uh, what would happen is, uh, you know, relatives would ask, "Hey, what's your son doing?" And they would respond, um, "Well, he's looking for himself. He's uh, trying to get a real job." I was to say, I'm standing right here. What do you mean you're trying to get a real job? (laughs) Uh, I go, dad, I make more money than you. Uh, What what do you mean a real job? And that got me thinking, got me thinking a lot. Because in this old European um, era, I didn't have a real job. I was selling. And it didn't matter what I was selling. It wasn't considered by my European parents as a real job. So one time I with my mom I asked her I sat down and said hey listen you know I know you were talking to my aunt there my aunt uh, uh um and, and I said I said you know she asked me you what I did or how's my work doing or something like that and and you left an impression with her that I didn't have a real job. I go what is a real job like what are you thinking is a real job? And she would without any hesitation doctor dentist, lawyer, engineer. She rhymed off these uh, these, uh, um, what she called professions. She goes, you know, I'm talking about, you know, like a profession. Profession? My dad had a profession. He was a teacher. She considered that a real job. Profession. Huh. But, you know, I was running a nine franchised music stores. I owned the Heinzmann Piano Company. I was, uh, I don't know how many millions of dollars a year we were selling, uh, but that wasn't considered at the time in my parents' eyes as a real job. It wasn't considered a profession. And I thought that really stuck to me because, you know, now that I've sort of gone through, I'm at the, and sort of kind of the twilight of my life, twilight of my career. I've had an illustrious you know decades and decades of television decades and decades of selling things i think i've sold over a billion dollars direct to consumer usually between 20 to 60 bucks each that's a lot of transactions and uh, i've had thousands and thousands of hours in front of a television camera i i estimate that number to be somewhere around 10,000 hours so i had a lot of practice at this like i've had a lot of time to think about selling stuff to people and what I learned from my parents about this profession thing, and maybe you uh, you know maybe you have different ethnic background, you probably relate to my story a little bit is that what they considered a profession is one which they use the word practice. A doctor practices medicine. A lawyer practices law, right? I used a dentist practices dentistry. You know, I used to joke about that because I had friends who were doctors and lawyers, and I go, you guys are still practicing. When you figure out how to do it, let me know. (laughs) I don't want to practice anymore. I want to be an expert. But it's about skill sets in practicing. It's about time going to school and time learning. It strikes me also as a a book that I read once that uh, stressed the fact that you have to do something for 10,000 hours before you're any good at it, and I thought to myself, uh, "That's crazy. Ten thousand hours. How many hours? How, or 10, you have to do not sorry, not ten thousand hours. You have to do something ten thousand times. Ten thousand times before you're any good at it. Of course, television. I guess being in front of the camera ten thousand hours. That's a lot of you know. That's a lot of times. Um, so ten thousand is the number. In fact, in fact, um, what I read it was a uh, it was about a uh, um, uh, Canadian hockey teams actually. If you ever look at a Canadian hockey team roster, now I understand if you look at European soccer teams, um, this pattern also exists. And when I heard this thing, I, I called shenanigans. I go, ah, that's shenanigans. Can't be true. Not true. Uh, there's somebody made this up. Can't be right. And I'm a season ticket holder at the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, season tickets. We have great tickets on the club level. If you ever there, come down to uh, section 2, uh, uh, 218, uh, seats A5 and A6. You know, you can put your drink right on the thing there. Nobody in front of you. Um, come visit me. Uh, and w- one time, being season ticket holder, they used to hand out these sheets with tonight's roster. So, you know, who's playing tonight? And they used to have the name of the player, the city in which they were born, and their birth date. And oh my gosh, I'm sitting there looking at this piece of paper, and what I read was absolutely true. The majority of the Canadian and American-born hockey players, now most of them are Canadian-born, there's a few American-borns now, but let's take the Canadian-born hockey players, are all born in January and a few born in February. It's like if you're not born in January and February, you never made it to the National Hockey League. You never made it to the professional level. Doesn't that strike you as weird? Why is it that kids are only good hockey players unless they're born in January, February? What's up with that? I mean, there's the odd outlier. There's the odd kid that's uh, you know born somewhere else. But the majority of them are born in January and February. And that is a freaking fascinating statistic. And I understand from my European friends that soccer players or football players, as they call them over in Europe and England and stuff, similar pattern comes out in their birthdays regarding um, when they were born and whether they made professional sports or not. Bear with me here because it gets interesting. And it relates to being an elite real estate agent. So the reason for this is is that when you're four years or five years old and you are getting up at six in the morning like Mr. Ricketts used to do next door, Chris Ricketts and my friend, and myself, we used to go play um, house league hockey or we were we were learning to play hockey, right? We could hardly freaking walk. We were, five, we were four or five years old. We are on skates, fumbling around. And he took us down to uh, Nelson Arena over there on New Street. I don't even know if it's around anymore. in Burlington, Ontario. Uh, And they're all my Canadian friends. They're going, hey, Nelson's. I wonder if Nelson's still around, I should ask. Anyways, we're there. And Mr. Ricketts used to be in the go-to Tim Horton's coffee. That's what we used to drink at 6 in the morning. And these 4-year-old kids, 5-year-old kids are out on the ice. You know, running around after the puck. So we were able to join house league hockey based on our age. You see... If you were born in January of 1960 and you were five years old in 1965, January in the winter, you actually had a year more hockey than a kid who was five years old born in December or November or any other month other than January, February you got to play more hockey at four, at four and five years old because you were born because they used to take the statistical birth date the year in which you were born so if you were born in January, February you ended up playing more hockey a year more hockey than a kid born in December ten months, eleven months more hockey than a kid born in November, ten months more hockey than a kid born in October well, when you're four or five years old, that could be 20% more hockey. So if you're on the ice 20% more of the time, by the time you reach the next level, and I, I'm making this up because I don't remember the levels, but I think, you know, let's make it up. You're seven years old, you went from the from the teeny tiny level to uh, maybe the atom level or whatever they call them. They have these squirts or atom, they had all these names. So you went to the next level. Well, in the next level, because you had more hockey training, you were better than the other kids, because you had more practice than the kid who had 20% less hockey than you. And if you go through the years, by the time you reach college level, and because you were four or five years old and you had 20% more level, you're bound to be put on a rep team or a better team at seven and eight, and nine, because you're naturally floating to the top because you had more time to practice and you are better and better and better at it, you reach that 10,000 times faster. And because you were better at it at the age of seven, you got more ice time because you were a better center, a better defenseman, better goalie. So you, because you had more ice time on the games, you got naturally inherently got better and better. You had this crazy unfair advantage over the kid who was just a few months behind you in age. Cool, huh? Well, this is about practice. And this is about practicing 10,000 times something. A doctor practices medicine. Now, how would you like to go to a doctor or surgeon like it's funny because in my family we debate about the merits of medical professionals all the time. You know, because you know, in Dr. Google, you know <laughs> every medical professional doctor friend of mine just went the smile. You know, what do we do? We feel a little ailment, so we're calling Dr. Google. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh, I've got cancer or something. It turns out it was just a sore stomach. But how would you like to go to Dr. Google? Or somebody who's practiced for 40 years, who's seen 30,000 patients, or I don't know how many, tens of thousands of patients, with the same problem you have right now, to the point where he diagnoses that as almost now a reflex, because he's seen it so many times. Not only has he seen it so many times, he's tried so many different remedies and so many different treatments that he knows which is better. That's the doctor you go to. I go to old guys because I know they've practiced a lot. Quite frankly, when it comes to my life, I like them practicing. I like them knowing. I like them being a reflex. Now, let me explain to you. The first time I sat in a real estate floor, I got my real estate license. My buddy Chris out in Arizona convinced me that was a good idea, so I became a real estate agent. Because my TV career, I got to old and gray, and now, there's younger, better looking kids in front of the television camera. However, I acquired all those years of interacting with people. I'm now the old doctor with interacting with people and selling stuff. So I walked into the real estate agent, first time I got floor duty because I was in a kind of a tourist area, a fisherman's village, and all these people are walking by. And so there I am sitting there. I'll never forget I called Chris and I kind of yelled at him and said, Hey dude, you made me become a real estate dude. Here I am sitting here. I have no idea what to do. No idea. Then he started giving me some exercises, got a spreadsheet, put stuff on his I'll get to those exercises later, but I started to practice. And then I realized, oh, this is not different than selling piano, or not different than selling anything else I've sold, like kitchen gadgets or whatever it did in QVC and HSN. And All the TV commercials that I write, it's not different. But what I did realize, that I was the old guy. I was the guy who was a practicing reflexive skills. I had skills that were now a reflex to me. Skills like I was able to notice that people have great bonding, right? I've never seen that you ever, here's a simple example. If you've ever seen somebody with a great interaction in real estate and a great selling transaction, they bonded well. That customer and person were great bonding together. They they had a great time together. They bonded. In fact, I saw real estate uh, professionals teach people in the office, okay, you got to bond with the customer. Well, you know, bonding is not easy. Bonding is only successful 25% of the time. I know you're thinking, what? No, it's true. You're going to be unsuccessful bonding 75% of the time. And if you want to find out why, I highly suggest you signed up for the elite training program on RealtyPitch.com because I go into that in fine and huge detail on how to bond with the customer properly. How to, bond, how to increase your paycheck from $60,000 a year to $240,000 a year. Not because you're any different person, but because I teach you how to relate to the other three types of people that you're not relating to right now. Bonding. I had that skill because I practiced it so often. I knew about it. And that doesn't come naturally. Nobody's a natural salesperson, right? But one of the things that I really wanted to stress in this uh, podcast was the fact that my parents treated professionals were the ones that practiced a profession. It took a long time for the other professionals. I go back to the doctor comment because you know everybody thinks doctors are a professional and they are of course and they go to university a long time and I'll never forget when I was going into University of Toronto I was at St. Mike's College I had a lot of friends that were becoming doctors I too wanted to be a doctor but I never made it to medical school but the guys who did make it to medical school I followed their careers they would go into the first year of medicine going oh man I know everything oh my god I'm going to be great at this second year they knew less third year knew less and I never forget uh, 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 my friend, Erwin, um, who graduated from medical school. I went to his graduation. He looked at me and says, I don't know anything. And now I'm supposed to be a doctor. And I said, wait, wait, wait. It's not that you don't know anything, because you do know a lot. But the problem is you hadn't practiced it yet. And to get any good at it, you've got to do it 10,000 times. So that's why I go to an older doctor. I like one that does it 10,000 times. I don't want one 2,000 times or 3,000 times. I like to get them done 10,000 times. All right? That's kind of the important stuff. So practice, practice, practice. So skills are really important. If you're going to be an elite real estate agent, you have to acquire some exceptionally elite selling skills. And these skills are negotiating skills, qualification skills, bonding skills, uh, double drop skills all kinds of techniques that really great agents have learned about these are the ones that are making 100 million dollars in sales a year 120 million dollars in sales a year. I'll never forget in my market there's a guy who a couple years ago sold 120 million dollars by himself in punta Gorda, florida not that there's not a lot of luxury but the average selling price is 22 hundred thousand dollars, maybe 350 if you squint your eyes 400 if you're in the luxury area not so I'm not talking about somebody in Marco Island or Miami Beach or, or New York City this is a lot of transactions and they used to some people used to make fun of this guy and I used to say stop this guy closes a $300,000 house every single day Saturdays and Sundays weekends holidays included by himself it's not a team I had respect for that that's a guy who's practiced a lot and he's exceptionally skilled at it right? you need to acquire these skills you need to be practicing these skills now what are the skills well we're going to go over it in this podcast we're going to talk about that but i just wanted to deliver the concept to you today that if you want to impress my mom and dad you better be a professional and what defines a professional and practice practice defines a professional the salespeople are the most highly um, you know those people make the most money and most professions because they're particularly good at it and one more thing I'll tell you that if you're a real estate agent I came on in that boom i have only been a real estate agent a couple years yeah I think I'm 24 months or something a little bit more maybe 26 months now and first of all the first three or four months I didn't know what I was doing it took me a long time to figure out my, my my rhythm so I haven't been doing it long. I came in the boom. And it seemed like when real estate was really hot, anybody who could write a license became a real estate agent. But now the market's getting tougher. So the person who is really rising to the top are the ones with the skills, and the person who doesn't have the skills are dropping out like flies. So what I'm going to encourage you to do right now, I'm going to encourage you to practice skills. I'm going to encourage you to get this mindset that, it takes something ten thousand times doing something before you become a master at it. You know the reason Bill Gates and the reason uh, uh, Zuckerberg and these guys are billionaires is because they were early adopters of computers. They were in garages way before anybody else was. I always I shouldn't say this, but 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 you know I want to say that it was their timing was more important than their skill level. There are tons of people who are just as smart. But they were doing it first. And they got that 10,000 times under their belt faster than anybody else because they were in the right place at the right time with the right emerging market. Right. So to be an elite salesperson, elite real estate agent, I want you to understand to practice the skills. Now, the skills we're going to go over in this podcast, we're going to learn about these skills. And what you need to practice we're not going to talk about how to list something in the mls or how to do an app file or a DocuSign. i'll let your transaction people in your offices and brokerages do that what i'm going to teach you to do is be elite take tried proven incredible techniques and learn how to use them to make you rise to the top now if you go to realtypitch realtypitch.com realtypitch.com I have a whole lead generation program there um how to get leads uh, you can get leads there I have a great CRM package there you can go into realtypitch.com and learn about it and I also have a high level elite training program there that we will go over a lot of things here in this podcast but In that program, we reveal some of the incredible um, techniques that are used by great selling people and great agents around the world. uh, In there, all right. So that was today's lesson. I want you to the podcast. I want you to talk about uh, um, uh, what you think about, not talk about, think about the what skills that you need to hone, what you need to do ten thousand times, and how to be elevate yourself to. I want you to be a professional, even in my mom's eyes. Right. That's the important part here. All right, if you need to reach me, if you ever want to reach me, I'm always available at acos a k o s dot jancura, j a n k u r a acos.jancura at gmail.com. Acos dot at gmail.com. You can drop me a line uh, or in the comment section or if you're on YouTube, uh, reach out to me on their um you know, I always want to help out people. And I always wanted to, I want you guys to be great. I really want you to succeed. I want you to thrive. I want you to be the cream of the crop. I want you to be an elite trained real estate professional. All right, that's all. Visit us on RealtyPitch.com. Until next podcast, I'm your host, Akos Jankira, right here on RealtyPitch.com.